So my secret favorite thing about getting to do this podcast is I get to have these conversations with the like my favorite people in my life and ask them all sorts of interesting questions about what they do and allow them to share all the things that I think are the greatest about them. And um, it's fantastic and I love it. And that's what's true in this episode. Josh Kingdom is one of my oldest friends. I've known him since I was like a zygote, since I was 17. He is a bundle of energy. He's very smart. He's very driven. And he is one of the rare people who has figured out how to make a career in the education system with all of the difficulties that exist. He works in Poland, um, so it's different right? But a lot of the challenges that exist here in the U.S. are are very much present, if not more so, in, in the school systems there. And he has figured out, as an educator, how to indulge himself and his passions and the things that he loves about education in such a way that he is less bothered by <laughs> the way that the system is difficult to navigate or causes burnout or is exhausting or frustrating and all, all of the things that you know we hear from teachers all the time. So I wanted to do an episode for educators because educators are very important members of the helping professions. And I thought, okay, so who better to talk to than Josh? So I'm really excited just to share him with you. I think he's wonderful. I think you will think he's wonderful. Um, so here is Josh Kingdom. set i'm recording okay all right okay so, so josh kingdom um so first thank you for doing this with me my pleasure appreciate you doing it uh-huh. um tell the people a little bit about who you are first who are you as a helper you're a helping professional what does that look like for you okay so uh i work in education i'm a high school teacher and um, and yeah, although I'm originally from the U.S., I have been teaching in Poland for the past 15 years, and uh, I work in uh, I work. I'm a high school teacher. I so I, I've in the last like eight years ago, I began to specialize in in secondary education in high school. So I am a helper in the sense that yeah, I'm a, I'm a teacher, but I also work in an education system that sort of uh, the main objective are exam results, uh, how well students will do when they finish um, when they finish high school and they take their final exams. So there's very little emphasis on, um, on sort of like critical thinking, problem solving, like emotional development, um, life skills, things like that. So I feel like I'm a helper because I work in a system where uh, it's, it's, it's not black and white on how you're supposed to do that. You kind of figure that out for yourself. And if you really want to do it, you can do it, but you have to figure out how to sort of bend the rules to do what you want to do. I, hopefully that makes sense. That's right. I, would, I was going to say, you aren't, you aren't really selling the educational system, which is fair. No, 100%. No, no. I think, I mean, most people can agree. Like I remember when my, um, 
because I always wanted to be a teacher ever since I was a little boy. And uh, I remember when I first got my teaching qualification, my uncle, who uh, taught history for years and years and years, had just retired the same year I started. And we're talking on the phone and he wanted to congratulate me. And, uh, and I asked him for advice as a retiring teacher. And he said, the best thing I can say is that uh, in the 35 years that I was a teacher, I would say that I love teaching and I hate education. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that gave me a lot to think about as I began my career. Mm-hmm. And so you've been, in, you've been in education pretty much your entire career, right? It's my only career. Like I mean, previous to education, it was like jobs, like just random jobs I could find to make money, like working in like, you know, in, in, in a restaurant or working in a bookstore for a few years. Once I sort of realized what I wanted to do and establish a career, that was the first thing I got into. And I haven't, I haven't turned back. Right, right. Okay. Okay. And then how about personally? Who are you personally? Like what, what is the rest of your life like outside of your, outside of your work? Sure. I mean, I work in the majority of what I do. Unfortunately, um, education doesn't pay very well um, here in Poland, definitely not. So in order to supplement my income, I, you know, I work full time in a public school. And then in the evenings, I basically work an extra 14 hours in a private language institute, which means I don't finish. I don't finish school until I don't finish work until around eight o'clock at night every day. So that's the majority of my day. Um, Outside of that, I have a wife and two kids. I got a nine-year-old and a four-year-old and uh, two incredible boys that require a lot of attention. And, um, (laughs) And so outside of those two main things, I can, I can, you know, when I try to find time, it's, uh, you know, I love foreign language and I'm lucky enough to live in a country that requires me to, to, to use an extremely complicated foreign language, which is Polish, which makes it that much more exciting to be here. So uh, I socialize, I, uh, I socialize, I have a lot of friends here and it's, 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 it's not so much, it's not only simply just meeting up with friends, but it's that excitement of being a part of a community in a foreign language, which I really enjoy. And um, music, when I have a chance, I have a guitar. Um, I, there's a drum kit that saves it. It's like in the basement of the school where I work, where I try to play from time to time. But the majority of my life is teaching and being around my, uh, being with my family. When the summer comes along, I'm usually out the door to, to England or the U.S. where I run um, summer courses for international students, learning English as a foreign language. So even then, when I get to summer, I'm still sort of like wrapped up in that environment. So that is, that's the main, that's the main thing. That's, that's the bulk of my life. Right. Like you, you traditionally, you don't have a lot of breaks. Now you, you and I are very good friends. And so a big, a big piece of uh, what I know about being able to get a hold of you, first of all, with Josh being in Poland, it's like, you know, there's the whole time difference and everything like that. But there's also the knowledge during the entire year that you're like right now is kind of weird because it's COVID right? Yeah. And so you're at home, which is strange. Because it's weird. Time, you yeah. are teaching, you are in school, you are at your second job. And then in the summertime, you're doing the work that you do like at uh, Cambridge, or you were in the US last year doing work. So mm-hmm. like, I think what you're saying is obviously like a very reflective, your life is pretty much work is always a piece of what you're doing. But uh, No, I think, I think it's anxiety producing for someone like me who doesn't, right. who, who doesn't operate that way. Who's like, I need to work for two hours and then rest for 10 hours. Right. <laughs> you're like, uh, but your brain is always on. And I think, so I think that's a really good segue though, mm-hmm. because the reason, so the reason I wanted to have you come on 
um, is because like I, I've known you forever and you've mm -hmm. always been incredibly passionate about your work. Like you said, you've always been incredibly passionate about languages. You've always been incredibly passionate about education um, mm -hmm. and teaching and over how many years have you been doing this? Like almost 20, but like nearly, you know, almost two decades. Almost. I mean, I, I became, I, I started teaching properly in 2005. I mean, before that, I used to work in a training center for credit card, uh, phone, what's it called? A call center for credit cards. I, I worked in their training development center and, and I guess it, can get, it was teaching. It was me teaching about stuff that I could seriously don't care about. <laughs> uh, and felt like it was ripping my, the soul out of my system, but um, nevertheless, you know, um, it was of education. And uh, so, um, but yeah, the, doing what I do now, I've, I've been doing now for 15 years. Right. So like 15 years. Yeah. And that entire time you've been able to, like that, that passion that you have hasn't wavered. You've retained that over the course of time. And I would even say as you've done it, longer just knowing you as you grow in confidence with what you're doing it seems like you even get more excited about it like you come up with your own projects and these things that you can do um that you just take to the students and it, you know it's all very exciting um, well, it's kind of like sorry interrupt you it's kind of like it's kind of like playing a, like a like a like a cool complicated video game like when it starts off you're like this game's cool and then you realize oh i can do this or now i can do that so for you you hmm. feel like the support that you have within the institution you work for, because that's something that I think a lot of people in the education field, um, that's a complaint that they have is just feeling like they, they don't feel like they're well supported or they're taken advantage of, or they're like pushed to do, you know, way more than is feasible or whatever the case is. And so because of that lack of support, um, you know, maybe some of that passion or some of that excitement around what they're doing wanes because, they're not feeling like they're well taken care of. Um, well, I mean, there's a lot of truth in that. I mean, I have never worked in the American education system, but I have friends who do. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's hard for me to speak on behalf of, of American teachers in the US. Teachers here, uh, the main complaint, the first number one complaint is my is pay. You know, we, we had a national teacher strike last year that didn't, that didn't yield any results for us. Uh, oh, wow. So pay is a big issue. And with that, like, if you're, you know, if, if, if pays your number one problem and you have a hard time uh, managing your life financially, then why are you going to go out of your way to do these things? Why are you going to go out of your way? If they're not going to pay me enough, then why, why care, right? Why care so much about this? If the kids are bored and I'm not motivating them and they're not really getting anything out of it, who cares? I'm not getting paid enough to care anyway. That's problem number one. And uh, problem number two is um, what you were saying as well, like, very... Um, the system is almost designed in a way that it just it just traps the teacher. It's gonna it's gonna be your fault. Something's something is going to be like, like for example, <laughs> very often um, when um, in, in Poland when you have a student who's gonna fail. So you, you want to there's a student who's gonna fail the semester for whatever reasons, and you think to yourself, well, if I fail the student, then I'm gonna have to prove that I did everything in my power to make sure that they don't fail and they resisted that, right? I have to have documented proof of this and that. I have to write up a report. And mm. it's not worth it. I'll just give them a D and then they pass and then I don't have to deal with it. And I can go home and watch Netflix and not write this report, you know? <laughs> it's generally like, you know, and I, and I can understand that because I, you know, you know, all the paperwork of all that kind is like, is, is not really why anybody gets into their, into the job. So, um, I, you know, I can see that. And there is little support.
likely you are as familiar as anyone else who is in this system um, and worked in this system for a period of time, you are familiar with all of the things that don't work around that system. You know, that it's Definitely. the same, that, that's also true oh. for you, maybe to varying degrees in Poland, but still. Um, so, you know, what, what would you say is the thing that keep, because you've been able to carve out for yourself a space that feels fulfilling and exciting and positive for you, even within that system. And I think a lot of people really struggle to figure out how to do that. And even me, you know, when I talk to people, um, and of course my lens is a little bit different because I'm in mental health, but when I talk to people, I'm like, well, just get out of it, right? Like, <laughs> just leave altogether and start your own thing. But I think it's very rare to come across people that have managed to stay within the system and figure out how to work all of the pieces they can to their own advantage so they still feel positive and fulfilled, even with all those problems that continue to exist. Right. Um, so would you say that that's because you have like you have your own room, you have your own thing going and and you've been able to to find support in other people that has allowed you to have your own like have something sort that's pretty individual or sort of I mean support is um, I mean the main the main thing for me is that I know and this is gonna be selfish because there's no longer me talking about the students this is gonna be talking about what I personally like. And well, that's, that's fine. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. I love the fact that because each lesson is 45 minutes long, and then uh, but the majority of my classes are in blocks of two, so it's 45 minutes with a class, five minute break, and the same class stays for 45 minutes, so it's an hour and a half lesson with a break in between. So I love the fact that I know for a fact that this is going to happen, this is going to happen, they can't do this right now but they'll be able to do this, they'll be able to do that, and none of it will happen unless I make it happen, right? It's, it's such an odd way to, to control time. Like this hour and a half, is, and there's, there's a lot of them in the room, you know? Like, well, I'm, I'm lucky because I have smaller groups in the school, so the, a lot of the biggest group I have is 15. But 15 teenagers who are 18 years old are gonna walk into this room, and for the next hour and a half, things are going, they're gonna be a part of an event that is completely and utterly designed by me in the sense that I'm the one who instigates. I mean, what happens later is, is up to the class, how they, how they perceive it. Like, I, I'm not like that strict, like, no, 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 no. The next thing is going to be this. Don't ask me any questions about it. That's, I'm not interested in that story. We're moving on to, we're moving on to the next thing on, on, on my list. It's, it's not like that at all. And very often what I plan, won't, won't, I won't get through it because, because of their reactions to things. And I love that. So um, it's, uh, it's the idea that um, that that they they are going to number one one thing that I absolutely love doing with them is is and I, I don't do this sort of gratuitously making them just feel good. Um, one of the number one lessons that I teach them indirectly is is just kindness, just to be kind, because other other teachers who have, who have observed me or hear about me will think I'm too soft. Right, I'm, you're just too nice to those kids, right? Mm. And and you need to teach. And I, this is the thing I hate about the system: you need to teach them that you know, life, life is tough, right? You need to teach them that life you know, life is cruel. And uh, and the reason that life is tough and cruel is because we, sorry to swear, we teach we treat kids like shit at school, right? So they so they so they go they get out of school and they're just bitter and mean and you know what I'm saying like it doesn't help. 
If for example, when when somebody stops at a pedestrian crossing here, I make it I make it a point not just to thank and wave them, but to make eye contact with them, so that they feel I, I feel happy. I'm happy that they stopped for me because Polish drivers seldom stop for you. This person did. I'm 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 happy that they stopped for me. That person therefore is happy that I acknowledge their kindness, and therefore they will, they will perpetuate kindness. Other people watch this like quick interaction on the road, and they will continue, and they will be hopefully inspired to be slightly nicer to each other on the road. By doing that on a much grander scale with students, by showing them kindness, by showing them understanding, by showing by 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 making them feel by by making them feel like I don't know, I feel like I'm being really cheesy and sentimental right now, but making them feel like please just make mistakes, just do it, say something wrong, like be wrong, be incorrect, please. And once they feel that, once they feel that oh this is this is the place where I can go and. I can make mistakes. I can, I can, I can forget to do homework because whatever they have a lot of stuff going on. Um, encourage them to want to be there. They just they 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 want to be in my class. And one, right. you know, one of the greatest compliments I ever got from a student was uh, I I I, had, I wanted to check a particular homework that I had given them, and uh, and I went to the first one and I said to him, you know, so what did you think when you looked at this? Right? I, but I'm not going to explain the task. But what, what do you think? And he put his head down. I was like, you all right? And he's like, I, I didn't, I didn't do it. And I was like, well, what happened? And he's like, I just didn't do it. I just completely forgot. Like, I just didn't, I just didn't do it. I forgot to check my notebook, uh, you know, and I have a Facebook account for them where I put their homework assignments and they're supposed to check it to make sure they do it. <laughs> he forgot to check all of that. And I was like, oh, well, you know, how about this? You know, like, it's, it's not often you do that. So don't, don't worry, just sit next to this person and try to follow. I'm still going to check it, right? With or without you. And then, and then and the other one was like, he just, another student said, he just feels really, really bad because nobody ever in the school wants to be unprepared for your class. Mm-hmm. They feel really bad about it. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want them to feel bad. And they're like, no, that's precisely the reason because you don't get mad at us that we want to make sure it's done, right? We want to make sure it's done and it's done well. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, that's such an important lesson. Like, I don't remember feeling that way when I was in high school. I don't remember feeling like, like, uh, I want to get this done simply because I want to be a part of that moment with the teacher when they check the homework. <laughs> yes, I definitely never felt that way. Either. Yeah, and, 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 <laughs> and it, should be, it should be a thing. It should be a moment, right? It should be like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I got to clean it. You know, I try my hardest to make it like that. Sometimes it's just like, do the, you know, complete these 20 sentences with the correct form of the verb because I have to do stuff like that. And it's, it's interesting because when you're talking about it, it's like there's the mission, right? There's the mission that I think a lot of teachers relate to, which is that the, the educating of the kids and connecting with them and reaching them and teaching them how to be people and, and all of those useful and important things. Um, but then it also sounds like there's an element there for you of like the shared, like the common humanity, like the shared experience of... Um, being with the teenagers as people and having something, something about that um, kind of being uh, life-giving for you, um, you know, because that's it, it. Sounds as though the the things that you love about the work, you love enough that they're able to sort of weigh out the other pieces that that don't work as well within the system. And it's a well, hundred, yeah, a hundred percent. Because also too, like. You know, I give these examples of being like altruistic and saying, if you want to eat, eat, that's fine. But at the same time, like I can, I can play it on the other end of the spectrum and be a little bit jerky with them 
and like come in and be like, all right, so let's take a look at what you did at home. And none of them have the homework. So I'm like, no, like, and this happens sometimes when a single person has it. They're all super embarrassed. And I'm like, all right, guys, well, you know, the homework needs to be done in order for me to continue with the lesson. So you guys got 15 minutes to do exactly what I don't come here to do, which is for you to sit here quietly and do the assignment. I'm gonna, and, I'm gonna, and while you're doing that, I'm going to be up here checking my Facebook. So please don't ask me any questions. <laughs> I make it very clear to them. Like, you know, and then, and, 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 and it's, it's like, I'm not, I'm saying, like, it's not, it's, it's fine. It's in jest, but the idea is like, well, now you're wasting time. Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you, you don't, a lot of teachers, in the, especially in, in, in language, in foreign language, love giving out writing tasks in class because it's simple, right? All right, guys, I need you to write an email to your friends who are coming to your party, talk about what they need to bring, where it is, what's going to happen if it rains, okay? You got 45 minutes. In your lesson, you are basically done as a teacher for that 45 minutes. You just sit there and write it. You just have the burden of checking it when, when they're done. But uh, they, when they, when they realize, like, oh, in this class, we, you know, because you have to teach writing skills, and I'm not going to shy away with that. I think writing skills are extremely important. So you look at, you know, when we do something like that, we take a look at an example of it. We do it, we do it in pairs. I give them like a situation they have to like, like in, in writing respond to together. And then like, okay, so you guys get it. So for homework, I need you to write this and bring it in next week because they know that I'm not going to sit here and watch you write for 40. What's the point? You're here. I'm here. You're here. Let's make this work. Let's, let's do something together. Let's make this. I feel like you need to travel the world giving talks about education. Just saying, but again, uh, this is all. This is this is this is easy. I, I, if there if there's a disgruntled teacher who can't stand their students listening to this, that person's thinking like, well, you don't teach my class. You don't know what <laughs> it's. You know, and, and I, what would you say to that person then? And I, and I get that. You know, and that's and that's and that's tough. Um, what I would say to that person is, um, you know, because I've had that. I've had a class where I just didn't gel with them, you know, and I, I, I thought they were annoying. I thought they were silly. And they were silly in the wrong way. I don't mind students being silly and fun, uh, but they were silly in the, I don't know, just like in the annoying way that teenagers be silly in class. And so I, I could just feel like there wasn't, there wasn't this sort of like give and take relationship with them. And so I came into class and I said to them, all right, guys, put everything in your bag, clear your desks. And uh, they thought there was going to be a test. I don't do surprise tests, but they thought that there was going to be a test. I was like, no, no test. I just don't want anything in your hands. Put your pens away, everything like that. Sit on the desk. <laughs> I'm going to write a question on the board. And I, I'm going to ask you to think about this question. I don't want you to talk to each other for a minute. And then we'll discuss. And the question is, what's the problem? What's going on here? Right? <laughs> I'm like, just... Just think about it for a minute, okay? <laughs> Do it. And then I kind of force them into it. I'm like, look, I was going to be very honest with you. Uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm not feeling it. I, 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 I don't feel like we've got a good connection. And then I have to, I, at this point, you need to find the, the praise, right? There's always something good about a group. There should be something good about it. Like, I don't know, you guys are like, you guys have a great sense of humor. And, uh, you know, you're clearly you're extremely creative. Why can't we kind of like harness this energy into making this lesson work? Because you're already here. You know what I'm saying? So you might as well walk out knowing how to speak English a little bit better with me. So what's going on? What am I, what's going on? What am I doing wrong? What can I do for you? I'm here. I'm listening. I'm here to help guys. What do you want? And it takes a while because they get really like, they, um, they, they kind of, they, they, they feel like a lot of pressure. They don't want to turn around and be like, um, no, everything's fine. We're just, we're just assholes, <laughs> you know? <laughs> So if that happens and I'm like, all right, all right, all right, let's do it differently. Get into teams of four, you four, you four, you four, and you four. Go into opposite corners of the room. 
I'll do any mini mini mode to decipher who's the leader, the captain of that team. It's your job to come up with three suggestions, three things that maybe you guys think are missing, suggestions for me, or quite possibly suggestions for the other class. For the members. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then they come back. And then when you do that, then you then you then you start establishing because basically what, what can be going on as well when you have students acting out like that is the methodology that you have been using that works that has worked extremely well with your groups isn't working with that group because like just like I said I was suspicious of teachers who say all kids are uh, are lazy or all kids are angels uh, every every group is, is like a very different organic and breathing thing that all right today's the day we establish a new like a new environment a new system that we're going to be working in. Yeah. I mean, you are meant to, at the beginning of the school year, you're meant to give the, like, uh, the um, expectations and rules of the class. And basically, like, this is your contract with them. This is what you want to do. And often with students, I, I do, we do it together. Like, I give them a chance to say, is there anything that you would modify on this or something that you want me to do with you? And sometimes they, they'll say things, teach us how to swear, right? They, they, they that, you know, like, they're teenagers, like, teach us slang, which I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can, I can teach you, like, mid-90s East Coast. <laughs> Know, like past that John, you know, <laughs> like it's <laughs> modern day Polish teenagers. But anyway, uh, the point of that, it's time to, it's time to break that with that kind of group. So that's the, that's the advice I would have with that particular, that's, that's the starting point is like, it is time to reestablish, reconnect with this class rather than write them off as a bunch of idiots. So shifting over to you as an individual. Sure. Right. So thinking about obviously you, you work a lot mm. and you've said your life is like work is very much present in your day to day life almost all the time. Mm-hmm. So what do you feel like you have balance, like with your social life or your family obligations and your hobbies or not? Like what does balance mean for you and how do you how do you pursue that or maintain that? Well, yeah, this is this is the most difficult part of my life. Um, mm-hmm. so- in terms of balancing work with with hobbies, I'm fortunate in that there's a lot of there's a lot of my job that kind of falls into that hobby kind of category, um, and 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 that and that has to happen because at the end of the day, I'm not gonna you know I'm not gonna have a lot of time to like write songs on my guitar and like you know all, all my musician friends as you know are back home anyway back in the in the U.S. So. Um, you know, one of my hobbies has always been uh, has always been learning languages and learn and, and like linguistic theory. And that I can sort of do. Like if I have an extremely high level class, like a multiple proficiency level, and we're going to do like a very, very in-depth, detailed analysis of a particular grammar point, then I get to spend the hour researching the history of that grammar. None of this is going to be really relevant to what they need to know, but it's, 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 it's a fun way to break it down to any kind of historical element to what I'm teaching them or whatever. So there is... There are ways that I can, education is not so much a hobby. I don't really like read a lot about education. You know, there are some YouTube videos that I watch or some like TED talks that I really enjoyed about education, but it's not necessarily something that education is just something that uh, I, I kind of, you know, on on my own, you know, my my master's degree course was relatively useless (laughs) preparing me for the actual job of teaching. I've never, I don't really like, you know, I don't use my uh, MA experience to, to solve problems at school. But uh, so um, in that respect, you know, I can find a way to balance work and hobbies as they can sometimes they can they can intertwine. It's the family one that I find really hard. And, and you know, one of the it's interesting when I talk to other teachers uh, uh, who are passionate teachers, 
who have young kids at home. And, you know, very often I find myself far more patient and far more creative with other children than with my own. And by the time I come home, just, just, just do it. Uh, it looks great. I love this. That's the best bunny rabbit I've ever seen. Like, all right, now can I just, can I, can I go away? You know, like, and, and I hate that. I catch myself doing it. It's something I'm, it's actually the part of my life that I'm working on the hardest is uh, how, to balance, how to balance that. Like I have a friend back home in the U.S. Uh, we went to high school together and we're friends on Facebook and she um, has, she's, she's a, a Spanish teacher in the same school district that we were in. And, uh, and she also has adopted three children now. And wow. She's one of the, my most, like, I, I, I don't know. It's funny thing is, is we were never really that close in school. We just knew each other. And, uh, and she was like the born again, Christian girl in my school. That was cool. The fact that I was Jewish, you know what I'm saying? We had that kind of dynamic going on. Uh, <laughs> that makes any sense. But we always, it was always kind of like, uh, I, like I never had anything against her, but for some reason our, our Facebook relationship is kind of, blossoms in the past six or seven years that like we send each other gifts for kids and stuff like that and uh i just find her uh her um her sense her like um desire to be a teacher sort of teaching sensibilities and all that i find really interesting she, and, and the fact that she works in the u.s and um but she and i were going back and forth and she had the same exact problem that i had uh, how to how how to uh how to have the same level of passion energy and motivation for your own children and it got the better, and she quit, and she's a stable mom, wow. so that she can, because she felt so guilty that at moments where she found herself kinder to other people's kids. But um, but you know, you know, you know, I, but I, I think of it in the sense that like if somebody lends you a bike, you're going to take so much better care of that bike than the one that's yours. Sure. I don't mess it up a little bit. It's still mine. I'm not saying like if I, you know, if I, if I, well, so if I punch my kid in the face by accident, it's fine, whatever. Like I'm not saying that. There's there's sort of like, I don't know, you, and, and, and that's bad. Like what I'm saying is, is bad. Like it shouldn't be like that. Like those are my own children, you know, and. I don't know, but I think so many people can relate to that. I mean, when you talk about something like burnout, right, that's like such a fundamental piece of that is that though when you give a, a considerable percentage of yourself to whatever it is that you're doing and then you come home and you don't have enough left. Right. Like that. I mean, that's such a common experience in this, in these fields, in the helping fields. So I, I don't, um, I think it's, I think it's an important thing to be thinking about and working on and considering, but I don't think it's at all, you know, I think that's probably more the, um, norm than the exception. Well, some of the, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from my sister. And my sister's three years older than me, and she's a speech pathologist, and she also works in schools, uh, not so much directly as a teacher, but as a speech pathologist. And she, and I was talking to her about this, and she said to, and she said to me very simply, she's like, well, there's a difference. You know, you're not their teacher. You're their dad. So you can't, you don't have to be their teacher. You just have to be their dad, right? It's, a very, it's just different things. So, so when you come in from work, just switch off from teacher mode completely and just be their dad, right? You don't think about the things you do with your kids that you wouldn't do with your students, right? Like my four-year-old, I love wrestling with him on the bed. And I like to get his hands behind his head so that I can rub my nose into his stomach because he can't, he laughs so hard, he chokes. I don't do that with my kids, obviously. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm reserved for kids. Stuff like that. And, um, you know, my, my older son is a, is a phenomenal violin player and he can listen to a Green Day song and whack out the vocal line on it and then we can jam to Green Day songs together. I don't do that. That's, 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 my, that's, that's dad time. You know what I'm saying? 
So yeah. I think very often what we do is we're, we don't switch off completely. And so you come home and you are, you're thinking you're supposed to still behave as the like incredibly patient and creative teacher that you are during the day when you come home from work. No, you're not. You're not supposed to be their creative teacher. They have teachers. You're supposed to be that. And that's mm -hmm. that. So I try, mm -hmm. I try to, I try, you know, and I, that, that's helped me a lot. And that's, right. you know, so I'm going to pass that advice on to others. Uh, that That's, that's, you know, they're two completely different roles. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's good advice. I think yeah. I definitely, and that, so then that brings me to my final question, mm -hmm. which is as far as advice, right? So advising, you're talking to other helpers, other teachers, right? That are interested in kind of becoming more of their own authentic selves, bringing their own authentic selves to the table um, more fully within the systems that they work in. Right, mm -hmm. so people at a nonprofit, people within a school system that are wanting to maintain their passions um, while still working in those systems. So, how, as someone who's kind of done this successfully, how would you advise those people to create jobs for themselves that are inspiring for them and feel authentic to them while working within, say, the nonprofit or within the school system, knowing yeah. that there are difficulties there? Um, the, what you need to do is be like a really, almost like a clever politician in this respect. So for example, I have, um, the, the curriculum that's handed to me. This is the group that you have. This is their age. This is their level. This is the book that you're going to be teaching. And this is the list of things that have to be done. These are the topics that need to be explored with them. These are the grammar points that need to be taught. They need to know this much vocabulary. They need to be able to write these things, read at this level. And you, you have to do that. If you don't do that, then it's problematic. So mm -hmm. you need to find a way to, but it never says you need to do everything that's there. Right? It doesn't say that. And I highly doubt it says that in any curriculum, like make sure every single exercise is done. It doesn't say that. Make sure everything's been covered. So you need to take a, you take a look at something that you really, really like. I love children's literature, specifically Dr. Seuss. But I love quite a little Silverstein, but, but I love exploring children's literature with students in high school. Because remember, it's a foreign language they're learning. So they're doing English as a foreign language. And there's something like, I don't know, like there's, there's, it's one of the most important cultural aspects of a language is how do they, how are, how are stories written to their children? Like what are, the, what are the morals of that society? Are there any morals in children's stories in that particular society or in that language? Is it just rhythm and rhyme? What, what's it all about? Look at their illustrations. And so, and, ever, and childhood is such an interesting topic to explore with teenagers. And um, for the most part, they are happy enough to reveal that, what their childhoods were like. So, all right, so I want to do this. This is a project that I want to do, right? So I want to I do a case study with them where I'm going to teach them about, you know, these are some of the most important American writers of children's literature. And we're going to focus on this guy, Dr. Seuss, who is considered like, like basically like the hero of saving literacy in the 1950s the 1940s and 50s in the U.S. Televisions were introduced <clears throat> to almost every home in America and basically literacy declined in the United States because children just stopped reading and books were like extremely boring in the 40s were all about good manners. And then <laughs> Dr. Seuss came out with these insane illustrations and wrote books to challenge kids on, about racism, about the environment, about the, the, the about war. <clears throat> really interesting, challenging totalitarianism, you're all the turtle. Like all these sort of like interesting topics that he, that he, that he you know, explored with kids. So, all right, so this is my, again, I'm rambling, I'm sorry, but this is my idea. I want to do this in school. I want to do this project where 
they each of them are assigned a Dr. Seuss story, which like I give them the PDF online, or I just lend them the book from home. They need to read it. They need to identify the meter, like where's the because I give them a lesson about rhythm and meters and poems because it's always different in different languages. Polish children have a different rhythm in their poem poetry than we do. And then what is the what is the moral of that story? And they have to do a little. They have to come in. They do a quick presentation. Right, the book is this. It's about this. This is. And they, and they have to do a sample reading from it, listen to, the, listen to the rhythm, listen to the rhyme, all this kind of stuff. And then afterwards, you know, I want them to explore um, what do they think are morals that children today in modern Polish society need to explore? Like, what are, what are things that you think kids need to be taught about in, in, the, in the modern era that maybe should be, you know, exploited in, in, the, in their literature? And they're quite good at that. Like, very often it's, it's a body image is something they, they often bring up. Like, they, they, they need to... Uh, they need to feel good about themselves and not, you know, and not look up to like, you know, expect uh, unrealistic expectations in terms of body image, um, tolerance, um, racism. Um, a lot of them are sensitive to the LGBT calls, which is dreadful in this country. And uh, so they, they'll, they'll bring up those issues. Basically, it's okay to be gay. And, um, and now once they've established that moral, I want them to create characters and I want them to write a story. I want them to write their own story, which will be proofread. And then their art school students in their graphics class, I'm going to go to the graphics teacher and say, I would like to print these out. Can you work with them on it, doing these, some, you know, some basic illustrations for that, for this story? And then I go and find funding in, a, in, in, in the community and I get these books printed out, a thousand copies and push them out of the school, great promotion for the school and the kids hold a book that they made. Now, that was my project idea. Where does this fit now? This is the problem. How does this fit into my curriculum? Like, how can I actually get away with this? Because nowhere in my curriculum does it say um, it's specifically what I want to do. I need to say, I need to take a look through it and be like, okay, here we go. Um, literature, right? Reading and literature is in, the, is in the curriculum. So they're going to learn words like genres of novels. Boom. Okay, so that's that. That's going to fit in there. And I'm supposed to teach them words to describe stories like gripping and uh, thought-provoking and things like that. Implausible is always in there for some reason. And um, and, and so like okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sorry I'm gonna make some amendments to to this project so I can fit this stuff in there. I'm like okay, now I want you guys to sort of like write a little review of the other person's story. That story was implausible because this and that. Okay, that's done. That's done. Find a way. Look at your curriculum. There's always a way to do it. Unless what you want to do is completely uh, how to put it, like, it's just completely out of this world. Like, there's, there's, there's a way that you should be able to cram it in there somehow. And then, again, this is where transparency is really important because um, next time you're at a teacher's meeting or, you're, you know, for some reason you got your boss next to you or your department head, you're like, oh, my God, I found this really cool loophole in my curriculum. And, you know, I feel now, like we're doing, there's this like, you know, you know how like in unit six, section B, there's that thing about in the upper intermediate book, there's that thing about genres of books and, and uh, words used, words that words used to write a review on it. Well, I found a way for them to then go into children's lit, you know, have a little bit of like, you know, like, like in-depth research into children's lit. And I'm going to do this project in that. I'm going to be very transparent. So the boss says, wow, that's amazing. And then if I really want to be, um, if I really want to be, um, like I said, the clever politician, then I'll be like, and maybe I'll get these printed out, put our school logo on them, bam, a little bit of school promotion. I know it sounds horrible, but like you got to feed, you know, you got to feed it. It doesn't, it sounds amazing. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that, that was, that was actually, I mean, that was my biggest project, but that's, you know, that's, that's how, like, I want, for example, I love, I love going through uh, a, a cultural elements. You know, one of the things I love most about learning Polish is that I'm in Poland, so I get to experience their language in their culture, right? 
while drinking shots of vodka with the guy next door, I <laughs> that language with that guy. Like it makes sense. That they don't have that. They're learning the language not in the context of that language. They're in a Polish school in a room with a Polish teacher of English. There's nothing wrong with that. There's plenty of phenomenal Polish teachers. Little like a little like little disclaimer. Polish teachers of English or teachers uh, teachers who teach foreign language but, but but speak the same language as the students. They're amazing because they know exactly how to break down that foreign language to their students. Anyway, uh, but it, it, there's a sort of like artificial feeling in the air, right? Like, well, why are we doing this? Why am I trying my hardest to speak? Like, in school, when we were in school, why am I trying my hardest to speak Spanish to Mr. Jones? You know what right. I mean? Like, when I can just be like, dude, I, dude, I need to go to the bathroom. Like, why can't I just say, like, I want to go to the bathroom? I would have to, like, go to baño and, like, say it to you. Like, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, so let me set this scene for you. I was 35 years old, working at a residential program 50 plus hours a week, making less than $50,000 a year on public service loan forgiveness with nine years to go, two graduate degrees to pay for that totaled $101,000. I watched my interest accrue as I made minimum payments until my balance hit $121,000. I felt terrified, anxious, unwell, and I was sure that I couldn't stick it out to have my loans forgiven without having a mental breakdown. Do you relate to this story at all? Then I have a program for you. So I have a four week group intensive program rolling out in January, 2021 that will identify your stuck points and create an individualized plan for you to get out of student debt so you can be financially free. You'll work with me and a small group of like-minded individuals to follow the process that I did to pay off all my debts in a few years while increasing my income and cultivating a more satisfying career and lifestyle. Do you wanna learn more? Visit my website at danabelletier.com and check out the Help Yourself Group Intensive. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love horror business. The horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great, or maybe not great. <laughs> Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products. It's extremely important for me. It's you know, it's it's really important to, to bring that to them. Like they they have me. I'm from America, so I can I can bring that little extra flavor to the room. But I think cultures. So again, I think to myself, I really want to talk. You know, want to talk. I want to bring up The Simpsons, right? I, I just I, for some reason I want to bring up The Simpsons, the early few seasons, because we're talking about television, and it's one of the most successful American TV programs. So why? There has to be a reason for it. And this is the stuff that I, this is where we get into my hobbies. Like when I think to myself, why did The Simpsons become so big in 1989? Well, what was going on in television in the 1980s that made The Simpsons so big? Oh, look at all the TV series from the 80s. They're all like the perfect happy family. And, and, uh, and The Simpsons come along and break that. Roseanne did the same thing. So if you actually find this interesting social trend, I want to bring this up, right? I, 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 want, I don't know. I want to talk about it. And I want to show them an episode of The Simpsons. And I don't watch movies with kids, students, because it just takes too long. It's like, yeah, it's a big waste of time. They can watch it on their own. But 20-minute episodes work well because they can react. Simpsons is quite hard to understand. So there's a lot that you need to teach in advance. So, um, so again, how, how am I going to do this, though? Where definitely the Polish curriculum doesn't say anything about teaching them about The Simpsons, you know, or, <laughs> or 
programs that broke the mold of the perfect American family from the 1980s, I will, you know, I will look through my curriculum. I will, number one, find the point where it fits. Number two, I will find a way the things from the curriculum to push it into that project or to push it into that extra lesson, so to speak. And then I'll be very open about it, be transparent. Right. If, and if for some reason, if for some reason uh, your, your, your principal says, actually, you know what, I don't think it's a very good idea, then you don't do it. And unfortunately, that's just a write-off for you. And you're like, well, hopefully, you know, maybe, I can, maybe I can amend it in a way that's be more, but that's never happened. So, but what I, love, what I love is that you start with yourself. You start with the things that are exciting to you. You start with the things that you want to do. And then you figure out where they fit. You aren't starting with the curriculum and being like, oh, I guess I could do this for this. Or then there's these worksheets that I have. Like, that seems to be the secret then for you. Is you start, as far as the back to the balance point, right? Like, you don't, perhaps you don't need to plug in your hobbies and interests so much outside of work because you are literally bringing them to work with you. <laughs> well, I can, I can bring them, you can, I can bring them into work with me, but they're so broad that mm -hmm. it allows the student to then respond. So the children's lit thing, sure. they're going to clearly respond with literature from their own childhood. They're not, you know, and, and then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to work on that for a while. When we take a look at television, they're going to work, we're going to work into the conversation the, the the sort of you know the the message behind TV shows today and all that kind of stuff like it does bring it back in it's, it's definitely not a one sided thing and uh, it's not a lecture I, but that I that I do with them it's meant to be as interactive as, as possible so I right. um so yeah and I think I think those things are possible I, um I, I think you're able to 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 make those uh, amendments to get to fit in what it is that you want to do and. You know, like for example, you know, the, the from from the end of March until uh, the end of June, I've, all my lessons were over Zoom online due to the COVID outbreak here in Poland. So we did online lessons, and uh, and it was in the end of May when you had that situation with George Floyd and the protests that broke out across the United States and and the the, the Black Lives Matter protest. They're going to ask me about it. They're going to see it on the news, and they're going to be confused. And who are they going to go to? Of all the people in their lives. Who are they going to go to to say, what's going on in America? Well, there's this American guy that calls them twice a week who's their teacher. I'm the guy they're going to ask. And it's got, you know, and that right then and there, like, I don't, at that point, like, well, this is crucial. This is so important that they understand what's happening in the United States, that they understand the actual severity of what happened to George Floyd, that they understand the history of African-American civil rights and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that's your obligation. It's, it's, it, you know, and, and, and unless you have no understanding or no awareness yourself of what's going on. So you don't feel like you're in a position to explain it. You know, I feel like, well, I am comfortable enough to explain it. I'm comfortable enough to make PowerPoint presentations and go through it with them. That's nowhere in the curriculum. But even then, right then and there, it can be like, oh, this is just culture and life, you know, current events, culture and life in America. Like you can, you know, right. you can push it. But I, even that, I, would, I would just do it and, you know, whatever happens, uh, happens. So, I mean, I think it's also extremely important that, you know, you never, very often teachers are, um, Teachers come in, these are teachers in the humanities, what will happen so much in the sciences and math so much. Teachers in the humanities have a political view. They have a, they have a, a world view and, uh, and, it, and it comes out like they, they, they want their students to think a particular way. Even if, you know, and it's, it's usually within good intentions of that one particular teacher, but that's not how, you know, I, I, you know, I never ever, unless I'm like forced into it or it has to come out, I don't go through my political views them i make them discuss political issues sometimes and make them discuss what's going on in the world around us um you know the the, the topics that are 
you know, divisive in, in Poland are, you know, things like uh, women's rights and, and abortion and LGBT rights and um, talking about like social issues as well, uh, like unemployment and things like that. So I think they need to be explored. And this is where you have to, again, this is where you have to be extremely careful with the education system. I work in a system where I'm not allowed to talk about anything connected to sex with students because I could be accused of sexualizing minors. Even mm-hmm. though the age of consent in this country is 15, mm-hmm. you cannot talk about safe sex or anything with, with, with your students, even health teachers. I mean, I guess an English teacher wouldn't, but like even, a, like even health teachers are not allowed to mention anything connected to sex. And even though between 15 and 18, there's legal age to consent there in school, you're not allowed. And uh, you're not allowed to um, espouse any LGBT views in schools. Well, I, you know, something for you to research at home in Poland. Poland, uh, there there are uh, certain provinces and sections of the country which are officially LGBT free zones where uh, you're not allowed to uh, espouse um, pro-LGBT views. And uh, this is is, uh, one of them where I live. So my, you know, it came up, and you and I actually were talking about this before, but it, it came up, the issue of um, gay rights in, in Poland. And I want them to think critically about morality. That's what I want them to understand, because they're going to they're bring it up, I'm not going to dismiss it. So I need them to think about what is moral and what is not, and what constitutes an act of in, in, um, morality. And the idea that, for example, what I'm trying to um, elicit from them is that, you know, anything, anything that's uh, not moral is an act that is conscious and harmful. So in order to say that homosexuality is not moral, uh, then you have to prove that a homosexual person has consciously chosen to be gay to damage society. And that's a really harsh thing to prove. I'm not allowed to talk about, I'm not allowed to stand in front of the class and say, I think gay rights are extremely important. I think we should support minority groups here. As they have a heart that can actually technically get me in trouble but what i can do is talk about morality mm-hmm. so, so never right. once i don't right. say and that is why i think you you know that homeless and i do you know in my heart of hearts you know i i, I don't think there's an issue with homosexual relationships and marriage and definitely adopting children's a whole new topic we won't go in there but um, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna conclude it by saying and that is why i think that you think that you should say this and you should do that all i'm saying right. This is the definition of an of an act of, of an immoral act. Do you think this represents more um, morality or not? You know, that's it. Right. right. I think right. you know those are the like, again. It goes back to those limitations in the education system, and right, being a clever politician. Being a clever politician. <laughs> it's all about being a clever like <laughs> politician. So, okay, so, so wrapping up, um, do you have a place where people, like, do you, where people could find you, like, online or anything like that, if there's anything like that, or do you not want people to find you, like, what? Yeah, I'm more than happy, no, I love being a part of uh, communities of, of teachers, I find myself a lot um, surrounded by really good people, really funny amazing experience who are just at the point in their career where they're just like, oh, just, just do the exercises and leave me alone. So I, <laughs> I love being around, um, around and I love debate. I, you know, I love, I love people who have different views from me, uh, to me as in, in, in education or anything. So, uh, I, and I don't have an, I don't have like a main like platform for this, but I'm very easy to find on Facebook. 
So if anybody were to type in Joshua Kingdom, Kingdom as in United Kingdom, uh, there, there are really only two accounts that exist, both of which are mine. One has a picture of me uh, holding my son's hand, skipping in a park. It looks like I'm dragging him down the park against his will. <laughs> no, no, I, I've changed it. It's, it's, the, it's the coronavirus parent picture. It's me with my boys. We're all wearing masks. It's kind of dark. Now. <laughs> there's that one. And there's another account that says Joshua Kingdom, which is like a, like a portrait profile, a uh, portrait of me that was done by students in the art school. And in the school where I work, and that is that's a that's a, that's a Facebook account I use specifically for my students. Either I don't mind either one, I'll, I'll respond to. So if anybody wants to contact me through those uh, through Facebook, that's, that's, that's as modern as I get. That's awesome. Thank you, Josh. This was so great. I so appreciate. <laughs> no, I, I'm glad I got to be a part. I was super excited when you said you were going to start this podcast, and I think uh, I do. You know, I, I I support it 100. There are no nobody. Very few people get into the, in, into a profession, as you call it, like a helping profession without good intentions, without wanting to help. It's what happens, you know, throughout that, throughout their career where they no longer want to help or they don't feel like they're, they're making a difference. And right. I think it's important, you know, I think it's important. I'm sorry. I think, you know, I know we're trying to finish up here. I think it's also, it's important to have support, but it's also important to have just somebody who gets it. Like if you're a parent out there, you know, and you got, you know, you got kids at home, that make a lot of noise and like <laughs> and you can't think clearly and like it's just completely destroyed and what you really want you know like and you love your kids you know i'm not saying you know you have great moments but that's what your life looks like uh, you know very often you'll find yourself around parents who say things like you know your friends who have kids who are like i could never ever imagine my life without children my god they are my you know they are the best things ever happened to me which is nice and there are times obviously feel that way as a parent but there are times where you want to sit down with somebody and be like my kid is such an asshole right <laughs> and you want that person to be like oh my god so is mine what did, what did yours do today listen to this shit. you want that you want that you need that in life and professionals need that as well in the helping community you need from time to time to have that moment where you're just like wow i can't think of a worse institution than public education <laughs> like i can't think of anything worse right now and more detrimental for another person to be like yeah i know it's horrible isn't it you need, to, you need to share that. Or like, I can't believe how bad my lesson just was. I can't believe I just wasted this poor kid's time. You know, like I was so fumbling all over the place. You need that in life as well. You need support, but you need balanced support. If all of your support is through complaining about your job, then you're not going to get anywhere. And so it needs to be balanced. It needs to be constructive. Otherwise, it's easy. To, it's easy. It's easy. I'm you know, speaking from the perspective of the teacher. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know what that was. It's extremely easy to uh, to uh, involve and get involved all the time with people who are super negative. Sorry, that really distracted me. I don't know what that That's was. Okay. And that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. For more from Josh, you're going to go to Facebook, search Joshua Kingdom. There's a portrait illustration profile of him. That is his if you want to get in touch with him. For more from me, you can go to danabelletier.com. You can learn about my Help Yourself program that's going to be launching in January to pay off student debt. Liam O'Donnell does a fantastic job editing and producing the show. And Rocco Misco provided the music. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week. Do you believe in the devil?
throughout history, people have claimed to have seen the devil. In 1692, he revealed himself to the women of Salem. And in 1921, bootleggers in Minnesota claimed to have seen him dancing on mischief night. But the devil doesn't dance alone. He has his followers, his conspirators, his cults. Coming to the Cinebumps Network this October. A new podcast which investigates crimes committed in the name of Satan.